Welcome to another exciting ProVideoCoalition.com podcast. I'm here today. This is Damien Allen with Kenny McMillan, one of our resident writers and all things uh, production and post-production kind of guru. Kenny, how you doing? Good, man. I've never been called a guru before. I'll yeah, take you that. are a guru. Come on. <laughs> as long as you could talk in a podcast, that, that counts as a guru. That's fair. Uh, what are you doing? I guess not a whole lot of shooting these days. No, shooting has definitely taken a uh, huge standstill. But um, luckily, you know, be, being a, an educated guru as myself, um, I, I had right before the, um, you know, stay at home thing started, created a few picture profiles for the Canon cameras because they're, you know, I'm a nerd like that and just put them online, like happenstantially put them online for people to buy. And so those have been selling like crazy. So luckily oh, wow. I'm able to pay my rent and kind of chill out a little bit, but then, you know, writing and stuff, it's, you know, you can still get gear to review and there's still things, you know, business wise that I've been able to tweak and make better. So I haven't been, I haven't been too out in the weeds, but it's definitely been at zero shooting terrible time to have bought a C 500 just to sit on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. All right. I should get onto our special guests. So we're going to be talking about digital asset management today, which, uh, is about as, sexiest topic <laughs> as you can come by. So we got Bryson Jones here. He's from North Shore Automation, uh, a hey, digital hey. asset management company. And uh, Jeremy Strutman. Is that right? Did I say your name right, you, Jeremy? You nailed it, yeah. Uh, awesome. And he's from CatDV, part of Squarebox Systems. Yep. And uh, you guys live and breathe this stuff, right? Absolutely. Now, yeah. how, are, how are you guys getting on uh, with COVID? Are you taking care of clients inside your bathrooms and echo chambers or what's yeah, going Jeremy, on there? you go you go first jeremy you yeah, talk a little well bit. uh well bryson and i were busy before but uh since all of this started uh we have been busier than ever uh and that's with both existing customers and and new customers so um yeah yeah you know people uh wanting to look the people are trying to get content out to air and video on demand so the broadcast and vod marketplaces uh, you know, are really, uh, really, really exploding right now. And we're, all, we're all deep in our Netflix queues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. And that's, that's, uh, you know, getting content that was produced prior to, and then also leveraging the databases that people have spent decades, uh, building with, uh, media asset management and leveraging that content, getting it out there and staying in contact, you know, whether, you know, corporations and, and, and sports teams and folks like that, are also trying to keep engaged with their fans while they're unable to, uh, you know, work. So Bryson and I uh, are putting in double time. We're, wow. we're we literally stuck. Yeah. I think we have three meals together every day. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, we're it's weird. I'll I'll share two things about COVID nineteen for us is that one, we no longer have to explain why ten years ago we established this company as a completely remote company. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, in two thousand. 13, 14, we would, we were getting bigger and we were having to explain to people how in our minds, if we were truly successful, we would never have an office. And uh, we now run a team of 18 people all across the United States, uh, mostly North American, almost all American team, uh, a couple of outliers there. We got a secret Canadian uh, and a Brit, but um, 
But now we don't have to explain that anymore. You know, I literally was in an argument with a reseller about why we would not come on site and train uh, this customer. And literally the shutdown order happened. And I, you know, just being the jerk I am, I sent him an, an email the next day and said, are you ready for that remote quote yet? And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know and, and then the second thing is that I said to my, you know, my family has no idea what I do. None of my friends know what I do, but I'll never explain again to a customer the value. I'll never have to justify or explain the customer the value of having remote access to their media, right? right. That's a that's a weird thing. So I have huge survivor's guilt for what's going on. Uh, it's a hard time for everybody. And, and in the production and post community, it's been a huge disruption. So I'm just trying to be a service where I can to the world. Uh, but yeah, for us, uh, part of our mandate, you know, uh, when I gave my company address to my team, I said, you know, we're we're here to help people inform and entertain the world. And during this time, that's what we have to do, even though we're doing it, you know, from our, you know, from our houses without pants on in most cases. Yeah. You know, we should also, Bryson, kind of uh, explain kind of our relationship, why we have two different companies here as well, you know, at the top. Yeah. Of the yeah. I mean, so, I mean, so yeah, like, like uh, side, I'll talk like, to mine. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 Like North Shore, uh, you know, Squarebox also has been re working remotely for decades. So Squarebox, the Cat DV developers, you know, have largely, you know, a UK base with about 20, 20 or so folks in the UK, all working remotely. Uh, we do have an office. Uh, I think that's just so we can get mail or post, as they call it. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's that. Uh, then we've got, um, you know, three folks here in the United States, and we too have a secret Canadian. I think that's a requirement here for. It is the, in in the damn business. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, how you get your tax breaks, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and it ups your politeness quotient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Average. Uh, yeah, so so in terms of the way we work together, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the Squarebox team is largely a, uh, a British-based company. Um, however, the lion's share of our market has grown substantially in the United States over the decades. Uh, which is required, you know, buying a couple of Americans like myself to uh, run the business side of the fence. Uh, you know, but one of the things that happened very, very early on is uh, Bryson uh, built uh, a company uh, based around, well, he, he made a name for himself, uh, you know, in the storage, you know, editorial storage platforms and folks like that, you know, working for folks like that in Los Angeles. And, um, and then widely became a U.S. expert in the dam space uh, and, and worked very heavily with CatDV over the decades, so much so that he built an entire organization around that, which bled into, you know, other uh, aspects of work for the organization, North Shore, so that, you know, along with CatDV deployments and being specialists in that space, workflow experts around MAM, uh, you know, software development came quickly after that. So yeah. they started developing their own applications uh, for solutions that really were outside of the core MAM uh, environment. And then, and yeah. then de development in middleware and, and custom applications connecting to the MAM and all of that. So uh, we started working a few years ago exclusively with them in terms of uh, configuration, deployment, Black ops, as we jokingly call it, all of that. To, <laughs> yeah. To really make all, all the work. all the weird hard problems come to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So, but, yeah. uh, and and I and I'll pick up that 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 yeah. said what that that process came from very much you know talking about the Pro Video Coalition. Um, I was a workflow guy, right? I came up from Avid. I was an Avid tech, and then I got into Final Cut Pro. Then I got into big storage, and I had I was fortunate to be in Southern California and had all these really forward thinking customers, and they just kept sucking me deeper in, and so I would get these bigger problems, right? And so after you build at the time what was gigantic, you know, a hundred terabyte sand back in the day, after you've done that, well, all of a sudden you have too many files to keep track of. And I I saw this application in back in 2007, 13 years ago, and I was not a damn expert at the time. Um, I was a you know just a workflow guy and and a, an engineer on storage. And I, but I realized that this would be a problem that the world would have. Like we were creating a problem as we went, right? As I saw those <laughs> firewire drives at the time stack up in someone's closet. Right. I knew that this would be a thing. And uh, I was <laughs> it was way too early. We joked that we called the company North Shore Automation about six years before anybody wanted to automate anything. But um, but the truth is, is that, that that's what led me into it. And then, yeah, I, I realized that uh, not everybody could buy a million dollar dam. And CatDV was this kind of at the time, this scrappy little tool. And it's been really fun to grow into, you know, one of those big, big companies. They've they got a ton of customers around the world. And so, I, yeah, we've been able to build a company around deploying that. And then, like he says, building applications for our larger customers who just need sort of a custom, complete end-to-end. Uh, my latest thing I heard recently, you guys have to start using this. A guy from Encompass said, the media factory. And I love that image that that we build media factories. You know, on top of cool. that. Hey, so... Um- I, I want to back up a little bit before uh, we we lose everyone with uh, with the with the terminologies and I was the, about to say uh, we've thrown out a lot of the acronyms, uh, acronyms. yeah the TLA, yeah. we call them three letter acronyms <laughs> so let's let's catch the conversation first of all I think anyone that's been in this industry for five minutes at this point realizes that data in the world of uh, content creation is a total mess and it just gets worse every year it's funny I. I remember just a few months ago, it had been a while since I'd updated my servers, and I just went, started shopping again, went, oh my gosh, these eight terabyte drives are like 20 bucks each. You know, what happened? You know, I I think I blinked, and I went from having to pay thousands for 20 terabytes to getting an eight terabyte drive for nothing. And so the problem with that is we just fill those things up as quickly as they appear uh, on our servers. So we have this... Total problem. A lot of people are going to know a little bit about this, but if you're on the outside, it's it's very confusing to know what a dam, a ma'am, a pam, what a project I, management system is. And so let's start from the basics. If one of you guys just want to hit off what we're talking about and what it covers. Actually, yeah. If you, I actually have those definitions in a training that you can get from North Shore. We have a we have a cat cool. you know, basics training. And yeah, one of the first things I do is uh, is uh, damn Pam, thank you, ma'am. And uh, that's a that's a training slide of ours. And so, Jeremy, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it actually because this is the Pro Video Coalition. I know there's a lot of production and post in here. I'm gonna take it out from the from the from the production, right? So, production asset management is Pam. Um, you've probably, if you've worked in an Avid environment, you've heard of Avid Interplay, right? And that is tightly integrated in with, with the Avid Media Composer application. It's and and the storage. It's it's an amazing system, and CatDV has some elements of PAM with their their ties to nonlinear editing systems. So you have a PAM production asset management, which again is really around the production editorial area. 
Um, Jeremy, this is where I think, I, and and Michael Thomas, I know you guys probably know Thomas. Thomas has this great thing about, about one of his five things, things that he refers to about about this, these terms and about arguing about them. He and I did a thing together one time about it. And so MAM is really controversial, but in my mind, MAM is about media asset management focused on video, audio, still images, right? Really our core, the people that are listening to this, managing that. And the reason I make that designation in my world, because it's not an official statement, is that when you get to DAM and you go out and start Googling, I want to find out about digital asset management, you're going to find a lot about how Hartford Insurance, you know, manages all their PDFs of their contracts, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So in the world. Outside of media, it's really all encompassing. Exactly. And so a digital asset to the rest of the world is like, oh, my word docs. And of course, that's the lion's share of the world's digital data or, or documents and things like that. So just when you're looking and online, if, you, if you're getting into this, you could start to look for MAM and that would probably be a better place to go because obviously managing your word files, is, uh, we joke all the time about, we have these moments at North Shore, we call it, you're adorable. And when someone calls us and they go, you know, we, ha- you know, a person who's not in media, they're like, you know, well, I've got, I, I mean, my my NAS is almost four terabytes now. You know, we're like, you're adorable. You're adorable. Like my wife has four terabytes in, you know, one of her, you know, Final Cut drives. So uh, like, let me point you to my book. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah so th- those are the things that we think. And then you, you actually really, actually huge. And Jeremy, this, this guy's good. Um, you mentioned project management because project management, not in the terms of an editorial project, like the, you know, like your, your files are now there, but, but in terms of the overall project, that's it. That actually ties a lot. And, and Jeremy and I, this last year have done a ton of tying project management data. Who's doing what, when, who owes what, when, what, what's finished, what's not. We've been working on and tying that into some cat DB systems, uh, because that's actually metadata, right? A lot of yeah. us, as we get into metadata, data about the data to follow the definition, you've got a video file and you get info on your Mac or the properties on a PC and you see when it was made and where it is and how big it is. But actually the the, the content metadata and the project metadata are huge. <laughs> when does my boss, you know, want this, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. And in automating a lot of those processes based on the data that you're finding, leads to another uh, another acronym that's going to want to make you hang yourself but workflow <laughs> automation management which is wham yeah, not wham. only i just oh. the only reason why it blows you know kind of irks me is because it's you know trying to take away from that great 80s band wham but yeah workflow <laughs> automation management uh, I've already got the songs uh, going through my head right now. So. Yeah, what yeah. Can we, we, Jeremy, we need to switch that. We should come up with like workflow and we need an H so we could actually make it wham. Make that would be wham. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heuristics. Anyway, so. Yeah. Oh, God. Look at you. Yeah. You guys are high. <laughs> I'm a fan. Trust me. <laughs> workflow heuristics. Man. Does, that even, does that even work? Is that, <laughs> no, but it's great. I'm sure you forgot a way to make it work. Half the money we've all made in this industry is just from convincing people we know more than them, right? Yeah, so exactly. come on, it's great. <laughs> That's the whole reason we have these three-letter acronyms in the first yeah. place. Enabling yeah. a person to discover, learn something for themselves. Yeah, you got. You, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, sure. Nailed it. But but you you hit a great point, and that is is that it is important to learn about this stuff because it is really you know it's one of our topics. I'm sure we'll get to is it is it the human side of this, and so you want to make sure that uh, whatever technology you have, you understand what you're trying to do, right? You know that's a really big deal, and and then and then kind of build from that. But yeah, man. But that's the what else? What other what other things should we sort of explain to people? Well, let's uh, try and put a. 
face on this thing, right? So let's say one of your clients, uh, how are they interfacing with these systems? Like, what does it look like? What's a workflow look like? Let's start from the ground up. I I, I love the thing that, that uh, who was it that said everyone wants to go Ferrari shopping? Who was that? That's a great That's quote. Great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's great because it is so great. Like, like, let's, I think that you've given, for me, you've just given me like marching orders here. Let's start from the beginning, right? And uh, and go out. The file system's where everybody starts, right? So let's just start about, because you all have your own organization. Uh, Dave Clack, the CEO of Squarebox, he he mentioned this uh, this hero uh, knowledge, you know, like, like, you know, there's somebody in your organization that knows where everything is. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's a great term. So, so if we, the first thing, and, and I do a whole thing on how to asset, how to manage assets without a man, right? If you're not going to buy software, mainly I do it, I do it, <laughs> I do it selfishly because when we get somewhere and they're a mess, it's a nightmare, you know, like no damn is going to fix that. If you just messed you just threw everything in, in buckets, like you were talking, you know, like you talk about, but I think that having a strong file system, you know, a schema and having naming, if you can, where you can, having that super important. Um, I, one of the greatest things I read, uh, and I, I can't attribute it, I'm sorry, but but basically what, it, and this is a great way to think about a dam, is that in, in analog systems, in the real world, your storage and your organization are intrinsically linked. And so we go into my garage and I've got boxes and those boxes are organized and the location, right? And the, and what's in them, it's linked, you know, that, that, that I can't separate that. And so in a folder system, it's the same way, right? You store it in your hard drive in a folder. And that's great because these are the interviews, you know, with Damien, except what happens when you do an interview with Damien and Jeremy and Bryson? Well, all of a sudden, then you do you put it in three folders, four folders? What do you do? No, you virtualize it. And so that's where your dam comes in. And uh, and so uh, you basically, in our way, you think of this, you've got you've got your file system, and then you have this other lens. And any of you who've actually worked in nonlinear linear editing, you already understand this because your bins don't have to follow your folders. Right. In the old days, as the Final Cut guys, in the old days, everybody didn't know how to deal with like media. They put everything in Capture Scratch. Well, yeah. Oh your, boy! You know, yeah. But your bins weren't called Capture Scratch, right? Your bins were intelligently named, right? And and that's the that's where it starts for me. That's where an asset management system starts. Is well, that concept? Well, yeah, that's that's any that's the foundation of a strong asset management system, right? So that you know, having sometimes it's a mess, but Realistically, when you get more editors in a group that are supposed to be collaborating together, they agree on some sort of naming convention, right? What goes where? How do we, how do we at a root level understand, should we drill into this folder structure? Well, it could be organized by a customer name or an event type or what have you as the parent identifier uh, of what the project is or multiple projects. And then as you dig deeper into the file system, you're finding and discovering more information out about what it is. So, so this is but, the customer. What was the product? Oh, this is the campaign now that we've gotten yeah, to a child directory. Oh, yeah, but check it out. So Jeremy, you're hitting, you're hitting the point. Hang yeah. on. I got to stop you right there for just a second. So you okay. guys realize that we're talking about editors organizing media, right? Well, that's great. 
because the production, it's super important and post is super important to everyone listening to this. But the truth is, is the editors don't own or use that media. So we're organizing our media in a file system so that it suits editorial. And then we finish it. And then we go make millions, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars with that media. But it was all organized by Bob, the editor, or Susan, the editor, who needed it to look a certain way for like a few weeks that they edited it. And then if you don't change that structure for the rest of the lifespan of that asset, which could be 40 years, I still watch Andy Griffith, right? Imagine if like the editor on Andy Griffith got to figure out where everything went and then every company after had to deal with it. And that's what happens in digital media. Or so a dam yeah. breaks that chain. You know, yeah. worse yet, let's imagine, if you will, Bryson and I are your editors, right? We, we're your, your content. That's a nightmare, team. by the way. Yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but Damien, you, you own this organization. This organization is in the business of doing something else, right? You sell, you know, you, you manufacture yoga pants, let's say. Uh, <laughs> but you leverage, uh, you know, content for marketing, your social media, your uh, your two air commercials, you've got thought leadership pieces and things along those lines, um, as much as you can be a thought leader when it comes to yoga pants. Um, but you know, you've got this organization that is in the business of making this product and video and content creation is a driving factor for your business. How are you as an owner or a stakeholder in an organization supposed to leverage this media when Bryson and I just made up the naming convention? <laughs> our own, right? Yeah, by the way, to, to suit a six week project. Right? Yeah, suit a six week yeah. project. And, and, and so, yeah, so you, yeah. You, have to, you have to bring out a metric out of that somehow. You need to yeah. query, you need to report, you need to analyze what it is you have yeah. And Bryson and I just have it hidden in our super secret folder structure. Yeah. And so, not, yeah. So not, at least that, it's not on your beta cam SP. So. Yeah. Exactly right. Nice. Exactly right. On a shelf. Now, now let me talk about the good side of that because now we're, we're kind of, you know, like, you know, crapping on the editor process of that there. <laughs> but the idea is that, is that we also understand, and this is why actually I loved CatDV in the beginning, just to put a product plug in this. I don't mean to. Um, I'll say it, any ma'am that doesn't require you to move your assets in order to organize them, re, you know, is really cool. So, so for instance, I knew that the editors, because I supported editors and producers and I live in fear of them. And so editors and producers, would kill me if I move their stuff. So you want to put some way of indexing that stuff over the top so you could actually point to that stuff, just like a bin points to media. You could point to it, and then I could organize it for the boss. Uh, I know you guys love uh, Hollywood war stories. One of the worst things I ever walked into, I had an avid broken years ago working on some uh, reality TV show, and I showed up to fix the avid, and they're like, yep, it's broken. And it just, and like everything loaded slow. It was a nightmare. And I, I, I got a, uh, an, an assistant editor. I, I called it and I was like, man, I can't, I just can't figure this out. Can you look at this with me for a minute? And he goes, yeah, you know, this is back when like an avid uh, media composer project was a few K, you know, maybe it'd be like a hundred K. And he was like, yeah, your project's like three gigabytes. And I was like, what? It's like 30, you know, 30 times the size it should have been. And I was like, wait, 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 what? So I go and talk to the editor and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And there was this producer on the deal and and she just ruled it with an iron fist. 
And she said, I want everything organized like I want it organized. So they, they copied every bin and reorganized it. And then another producer came in, the EP, and actually made them do it again. So they had three times the project because they had to organize it three different ways. Ouch. And so so they had to, you know, you had to serve the editor, the producer, and the EP. So with a dam, you can do that through search. So when we set up dams, we always laugh. In your phase one dam, you're 90% of the time, we can guess, you're going to be like, well, here's how my folders are. I want my dam that way. And we go, okay, that's great. And then we go talk to the owner of all the content or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, someone in marketing and they go, actually, I don't really like it organized by the shoot day. You know what I mean? I need it, like Jeremy says, I need it by campaign or by product. Well, what's great is with the dam, you can give them that view of it and not mess up your pretty file system. And, and more importantly, you can put that media in the local storage, in a cloud bucket. You can put it on tape. You can do whatever you want to do. And, you know, Frank and Pam and marketing don't have to know anything about that, right? They can just see it like they like it. You make them happy and you don't have to mess up your stuff. That's probably the first win for, a, for as far as an editor dealing with it is that you get to have your own little fiefdom and everyone else can have their view of it without messing up your world. So... That's kind of start for me, at least. That's great. Um, so is is each um, is each individual's person or each individual person's uh, view of the data based on? Do they get their own interfaces, or is it just one large interface that then they can sort of toggle through um, organizational structures? It- it, it depends, right? If you're dealing with something like a big uh, marketing ma'am out on the cloud, it's probably the same for everybody because it's aimed at a group. But for instance, uh, in Cat TV and most other uh, commercial, like more almost like MAM or production systems, you can have, you know, you can define a user role. So obviously an editor is going to worry about the frame rate where Bob and marketing won't, right? So absolutely. Sure. So in Cat TV, for instance, uh, there's a, a desktop client. There's a couple of those of different levels of capability. And they, they're similar to like an Adobe Bridge or Prelude, you know, something like that, right? Like, a, you know, like you can, you can manage and mess with media directly if you're an editor and you have access to the high-res storage. Then right. you can virtualize out to a web interface. And then we even take that a little step further in the CatDB North Shore world. North Shore makes a thing called a Comey that's almost like a, it's almost, it's, you can own it and put it in the building or you can put it in the cloud, but it gives an even lighter view. So in CatDB, there are, gosh, now there's like three or four web interfaces. There's two or three desktop clients. So you can kind of choose. And that's actually something you guys mentioned in your, in your pre stuff is this idea of the, getting the humans to adopt the thing. Right. Like this is all for nothing if humans don't adopt it. And so you want a lot of options about how to show this data to the person. Right. Uh, you know, we, 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 we have editors who want to dig in. Well, actually not editors. We have assistant editors. Let's be honest. In a television production, the editors are just going to edit or film. But the assistants have really got to deal with it. Right. And media manage that and really get their hands dirty with it. And then you literally go all the way up like a, a pinnacle, a pyramid. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until you get – we have a television show, a long-running network TV show, and the boss, the big boss whose name is on the logo, every Friday he gets a web interface with one asset in it. <laughs> it's amazing. You, you know, they, they have, they have you know, half a million assets in the production, and then you literally get to Friday that Mr. Man gets a link, and he clicks it, and he sees one video. And that's beautiful because nobody has to do anything to make that happen except share this link to, you know, that guy. 
Right. So, now, outside of outside of television, you know, there's a million different use cases uh, in terms of being able to present these different views to people. So, for example, uh, you know, not all assets should be available to all people at all times. Amen. You know, you know we we talk about you know editorial gets a gets a really uh, you know a really granular view of what this media is. Right. They've got access to everything. However, if the content is, you know, about, you know, in the television world, it might be a reveal, right? So you've got the secret, you know, mass singer, right? Nobody finds out till Friday who the guy is, right? You've got this really tight group of people who may be working on this project. In a manufacturing world or in a commercial, you know, corporate world, you know, you may have a product that's about to, you know, be released. So you've got the super secret bubble of intelligence you know, around what it is that that content is. And then you go to marketing. And now the marketing folks or the there's a wider audience internally that may have a uh, a, a, a more limited view of what is actually available in the database, right? So now you're this this is now leaked to the folks in marketing. So they can start to design their campaigns around all of this. So they get yeah. a subset of the content and all of that. And then eventually, as Bryson mentioned, when you get to something like, you know, the the cloud, the cloud dam or a Comey or, you know, it comes out of Cat DV and it's Frame IO. You mean Frame IO is like that. Yeah, you know. So now you're in this uh now you're in this kind of uh, uh a world where it's publicly available. No longer are the uh, is uh, is it being hidden behind the tape and the you know the curtains and all of that. It's publicly available for any any consumer to consume that media, and that is policed through the MAM and in from from the PAM to the MAM and all the way into the dam. Yeah, yeah, policed workflow. And, and, Absolutely. And to break that down, Jeremy, to, and really, so so someone's listening right now and they're like, well, I already do that. I can do that. Absolutely. And you're like, yes, you can, but you're copying it every time. You're duplicating it, right? You're like, well, then I, I put it in a Dropbox folder. Okay, great. So then you're not moving it, you're copying it. So how many duplicates of this asset are you going to have and manage? So what ends up happening is you're constantly shuffling. Everything we do with these systems can be done by a human. That's important to note. You can hack around this. The question is, is how long does the hack take, right? Yeah. So North Shore has these weird applications. How, that just how, how vulnerable is it as well? Because that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, oh, you can put let any- me give, uh, yeah. Let me give you the second piece of that, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, <laughs> you were talking about this. Hang on, I got it. Because I may or may not have worked for a company that may or may not make uh, handheld devices, and they may or may not be super secretive. So <laughs> in this hypothetical may or may not have worked for them, they may or may not have had a product that was actually called Penguin in a code name. But but Penguin was actually stored in a file system by the editors that actually revealed what the product was if you thought about it. So if you shared the file system for the Penguin file, you would have shared what the product was. But if you could just share that asset with no link to the path, then you could share Penguin to a marketing person and, you know, and you wouldn't know what Penguin was. And and that's something that that that's a great example there is that so often we have all this, like you said, security. Some often it's just something as simple as like, hey, I don't want to know, you know, that this is this. It's the old, you know, Coke can't know I work for Pepsi and Pepsi can't want know that I work for Coke. You know, so, you know, one of the things that Jeremy hit on that I think is really important is uh, uh, you we don't actually want access to everything all the time, right? I mean, I remember when I ran a stereoscopic conversion studio and I'd have 
an assistant oh. bring me a weekly report of hundreds of shots. And it's like, this is not helpful. This is actually increasing the stress that was already overwhelming my life. I just want to know what are the, you know, four or five things that I need to pay attention to now. And it seems like one of the, I mean, that's, that's a huge part of this whole digital age is just control of information. And it seems like that's one of the really crucial things of these systems is getting the relevant information to the right user. Right. Exactly Dude, right. I don't think marketing yeah, needs yeah, sidecar I mean, <laughs> files. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly right. Um, yeah. you know, I think, you know, not only that, within a singular asset, you might find things that are relevant to different uh, people as well, right? But allowing yourself to, or, or allowing the organization to um, effectively build, you know, the hot shots list, uh, as opposed to, you know, just giving, handing everything over, um, is absolutely what is, uh, what is the, the goal within, within a MAM, right? And not only that, but having a system of checks and balances. So, you know, making sure that, you know, like like we said, we're going back to the Dropbox thing. I mean, you can you can drop anybody can drop something on Dropbox and make it available to somebody. And you know, it can be a five star uh, asset. You know, for me to share to you all. But what if it's really not within my singular designation to be the person who should allow that? Now, I can be the mechanism to do that, but what if I need Bryson's and Damien's approval? What if I need yeah. Dave's approval? You know, we need to build a system that, uh, you know, really allows each one of these people to green light what goes and doesn't go. So that's what scares me about these, uh, you know, these kind of like Dropbox workflows and and delivery over, over uh, you know, some of these uh, cloud buckets and things like that without having a policing system and an audit trail. Yeah. I, I have an NFL team <clears throat> that right now has they've figured out they have 50 people that have access to a giant Dropbox full of media. <clears throat> Some of those people, you know, they they synced that to their machine and they no longer work for the organization. Right. And they had to go back and claim that back. I've had three customers deal with that same thing where you're you're putting copies out to stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy, do you do you do you hear what I hear, which is which is uh, Damien, you are a, a real phase two damn customer. The <laughs> the issues you're raising, seriously, yeah, like you're raising the issues that normally somebody would raise like at phase two, which I, I speaks to your experience. I just want to say it's our first time really getting to talk. Um, because like you mentioned right then, you know, the uh, uh, you know, the the filter. Right. We laugh because in, in phase one, everyone's like, nope, I want everything for everybody. I want to see everything because it's normally some like editor or post soup or somebody, you know, who's put, who's installing it. Right. Oh, and by and the then, way, I want I want to I want to run it through an A.I., like run everything through an A.I. right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right now. I want I want. Yeah. I want all that. And so you just flood me with information. I go from zero to 200, you know, in, in one second. <laughs> and so I love that you're that you're sort of thinking that way, because, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest challenge afterwards. You know, I joke that no editor needs a damn. And people get so mad when I say that. I go, nope, editors don't even want a ma'am or a damn. They don't, they, oh. they know where everything is. The problem is the person like you receiving that report, right? You're like, I don't know where anything is. And I run this joint and I can't spend the time learning it. I can't go through the 2 million assets. I need, like Jeremy said, I need the hot list. And those are the, those are the key problems. Uh, and that's actually, 
that's why we focus so much on talking sort of to people about the people sort of beyond them in the, you know, beyond the sand, so to speak, or beyond the edit process, because those people are really who need it. And, and oftentimes it's just so expensive to do this that you just don't do it. Right. Because you're like, well, I'm not going to actually manage that because that's a whole hour of my day or something. Interestingly enough, that's actually where the security problems happen. Right. Because like, for for example, on a major feature film, I've seen like at the beginning of the project, I'll have an MPAA certification guy come check all my locks, make sure (laughs) my server somehow is inside a safe that's not allowed to connect to the outside world. I don't know how that ever works. But anyway, they do the the penetration test, the whole thing. And then by the week before release, when they're desperate, they're going, hey, can you just drop that stuff on an FTP server for me? Because we just need to get it to the editor. And, And... I mean, it happens on every show. Like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This is how it happens, you know. On, and, and the reality is because there isn't any other kind of system that allows the, the higher level executives to get what they need when they need it. And that's, Dude, yeah. Absolutely. We, we actually learned that so well that we use that as an actual tool. So when people say, oh, my IT will never allow us to do that, right? Like when somebody says that to me from a production or video department, I go, that's okay. And they go, well, what do you mean? I go, well, it's okay. Just wait. And they go, why? I go, well, because someone who's a vice president is going to ask for this, right? And when the vice president asks, then we get to go back to IT with an actual need, right? So if, if you're an editor and you ask, no, the answer is no. But when the senior vice president says, I need access to these 30 files, right? All of a sudden things change. So you know, hopefully that speaks to all of our, our experience on this. We've learned to play that game. And the point is, is that, yeah, what we find is that if you go to IT and you go, hey, look, if you don't do this, you know, if you don't provide a solution, everyone's going to Dropbox it, right? Everyone's going to use open FTP, you know, whatever it's going to end up. Then they normally jump in line. But but exactly, that's a whole other side of this. But it's a great point. And it, and it is. It's something you don't really run into uh, in the theoretical webinars about security. But this absolutely happens on every production in every situation. <laughs> so, well, yeah, taking it, taking it back. I mean, if you just if you just think about how all this kind of came about and and why you've got when you when you think about media asset management, content workflow, uh, you know, and and those folks like Bryson and myself working on the technical, uh, you know, platforms that enable these workflows, you know, you trace our history back. Bryson and I, we were both creative folks once upon a time, and we wanted to be musicians and editors and make movies and write and direct and all this other stuff, right? But somehow we ended up slapping hard drives in a chassis how did that happen okay. I, so, I didn't uh, i don't want this to turn into a counseling session so i don't yeah, know yeah, exactly. if this well, is going no, somewhere no. this sounds like yeah this is like jeremy how and did, i at pm having a beer yeah yeah so how did how did this happen well it happened because there became a need once we got into file-based workflows there became a need for because it wasn't going to do it right we they weren't going to understand our needs our bandwidth constraints and all of that. So that's why we got into storage. And then as we started to get into media management, then we started to get into databases. Again, tools that typically IT folks would be required to uh, administrate and support. And here we go, we got the Bryson and Jeremy show. Now we've got databases and we're working with databases and and web protocols and web security and and DMZs and cloud and all this is the cloud stuff and all of that. 
because there needed to be a liaise between content creation and content and these content creators cannot expect to manage the scalability of where we are today. So we we liaise between these IT folks and and the yeah. real experts, the real technical experts and the real creative experts. And we bridge that gap between these folks because the reality is, is if it is left up to a creative team, there are gonna be security issues. Uh, they're going to, I mean, part of the early days, the issues were, well, that's great. You figured out how to build yourself a raid and now you can get the data rates you need to edit a TV show. But that is a single point of failure. And if that raid gets corrupted, you've lost your yeah. whole TV show, right? Now we're dealing with the same thing on the MAM side. If you want to build your own MAM being an editor and you want a science project, go for it. But what you're going to end up doing is exposing yourself to security issues uh, or potentially losing your data or corrupting your data. And that's that's where we're kind of stepping out of the MAM 101 world uh, and into... Yeah. Uh, really intelligent workflow. Yeah, I, I think I think Jeremy, you just hit something that's a really great point. I, I feel like this thing sometimes we get way too theoretical with people. Here's a way to break that down. What and it speaks to actually something that you know, Damien, you guys were talking about before as well. So if you're out there and you're a post super, you're an editor, absolutely start messing around. You know, get a copy of any software. I mean, you can buy you can buy a single copy of Cat TV. Like you can actually just buy a standalone copy of Cat TV. And you can start messing around with it. And and at the end of the day, if that's your job, then cool, that's your job. And there's a certain line where that's good. At a certain point, we run into people all the time who are like, oh, I built this system and it's great. Uh, but then they realize, okay, I'm going to spend two weeks out of my year doing this and I don't think my boss wants me to do that. Or right. like you said, you've built it to a point where maybe you've had some success and people want to make it better. Uh, we're doing a company right now that's um, a mapping company. And it's really awesome because they built this really cool, like the video people built this really cool system. And and now the, the sort of the boss of the media department is like, hey, I actually want to use this now too. And so now they're doing that part that we're talking about, about sharing it. So I think that in a small sense, what you could start with is you start with cleaning up your data. You then get a tool to help you clean up that data. Uh, you know, And then from there, you start to build it. Uh, and then maybe at some point, yeah, you go get some help. Uh, you know, your idea, your mention of, of the of the raid, you know, Jeremy is really true. Like the difference between a raid and then buying some giant quantum sand or something, right? You you can do this at home and then you build out. I do want to address one thing though that was brought up earlier that we should that we should speak to about. You guys were talking to us early on in this discussion about this, and maybe this is a good place to sort of is about return on investment, and we talked about that a lot. And the. The, what Jeremy was calling damn phase one or ma'am phase one, right? What we call like the 1.0 version of this is where's my stuff? And that is fairly easy to achieve. Uh, you may not want to do it alone. You may want to get some help, but you, but some in some cases you could definitely do that on your own. But that's never going to provide, especially if it's inside the video department, that isn't going to provide a solid return on investment that will justify this for most people. Because again, you're mostly doing it for the video people and nobody cares about us, right? In a giant corporation, we, we do big corporations and they'll have like four video people. So the point that we would make is that if you get this structure and you want to do it, we've learned how to justify our existence in this world. And we've learned how to justify our budgets. And oftentimes 
if you can open this thing up to some other department, if you can open this up to uh, what I call people's clients, you know, if you're a freelancer, you have clients, but, if, but even if you're in house in an institution or a corporation or whatever, you still have clients, you know, marketing communications are the clients of the video department in a lot of cases or, or educational or whatever. If you can open this up to your clients, it becomes this whole new thing. And in the same sense, internally, second, secondarily, if you're trying to get your people to use a ma'am, if you don't give them something back in the form of automation and let it do something for them, then you just added a job to their job and they're not happy about it. Exactly. So, now, I want to touch on that because this was the big problem on in Ma'am World 101. So the promise was, okay, you just want to find your files, Mr. Editor. You know, you've got this big, you know, eight terabyte drive, as you pointed out at the top of the top of the show. You know, I've got this eight terabyte drive. There's all kinds of crap on it. I don't know what's what. I just want to find my file. Well, I can promise you a return on investment where you I'm going to cut down your search time to next to nothing. The only issue is you have to spend all of that time that I'm going to save you searching by actually putting data into a database. Well, that is a lie. That that is just a lie. It's just a lie to say, I'm going to save your search time, but I'm going to replace that time with you entering data into a system. That's <laughs> yeah. why we fail, right? That's when we fail. That's when we fail. When somebody says, all right, I'm an, I'm an editor day and night, and somehow I'm going to find this time to do data entry. That's, that's <laughs> At that point, would you, would you not be better served just using like a spreadsheet or something? Or is there well, like even a... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So to Bryson's point, if you want an early return on investment, you've got to get the robots working for you. And that yeah. means the dam has to feed itself. The ma'am has to feed itself. So I'm not going to use an editor to enter data. I'm not going to use an assistant editor to enter data. I'm not even going to hire somebody to come in and enter data into the system. So naturally, people start now in MAM 2.0, start thinking, well, we'll get the AI to do that. Let's forget about artificial intelligence. Don't support these things. And we've got these amazing workflows. That's phase two. Phase one, yeah. forget about our artificial intelligence. How about the intelligence that you already have? Going file back system. to the file system, yep. the root directory, the child directories. You know what that is? Those are data points. So you've got yep. a show ID. You've got a producer name with a, in a folder. You've a got a subject, customer a project ID, ID whatever. Yeah, yeah. Got location yeah. shoots, information about the data all in that folder structure. That's just intelligence. You've already entered that data once. And if you've got a team of folks, those teams of people, those folks are entering data without it, without knowing it, they are currently entering data that could serve the MAM and help the MAM feed itself. How are they entering data? Well, there's emails, there's call sheets. Maybe you've got a, a, a scheduling tool for your production. Like he's talking about, you've got a spreadsheet. Can you you've get that out of that stuff. spreadsheet already and put it on there automatically? Exactly. Yeah. Hey, hey yeah. Bryson, I need these five B-roll shots. I put it in a spreadsheet. So when you're out on shoot, get it. I've got info in the call sheet. I've got, um, you know, I've got a production scheduling tool. I've got, you know, you name it. There's intelligence and data. So, so Jeremy, let me just interrupt for a sec. How, yeah. how uh, on a practical level, how invasive does your system get? I mean, is it sifting emails or is someone still voluntarily 
pulling those emails out and submitting them? What does that look like? Let's, yeah, let me, let me come back. Yeah, yeah let, me, let me bring that back because I'm the guy building that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the poor jerk who's got to make it happen. The yeah. truth is, is that e- email is the worst source, but not necessarily. For instance, uh, you know, the, we, we, for, we, we build a company, we have a, an email system for a company that actually takes data out of the MAM and automatically emails it, right? So that saves, uh, we have a company that basically right. had a team Five well, people doing that cool. six thousand times. Yeah. But, yeah. but where, where you really get into it is like we're talking about spreadsheets, right? So one of the funniest things that we see is that we walk into places and we go, "Hey, we want to look at your metadata." And they go, "Oh, we don't have any metadata, right? We don't have any metadata." You go, "Okay, cool." And then you figure out that, like, you go, "Well, how do you know that a job is started?" They go, "Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, Frank sends us a spreadsheet, right?" And you're like, "Okay, let me see that spreadsheet." That spreadsheet has all of the project metadata. Right. So, for instance, in CADDV, you could import that spreadsheet right from the beginning and make that a project record. And then, you know, CADDV can look up that project information. So basically you tell your people, hey, put the project name in the folder structure. Right. You know, or put the ID and then CADDV sees that and then looks that up. So you can set up stuff like that, and that stuff's pretty pretty simple. That's not you know that's not million dollar technology there, right? And it's not invasive, right? It's not it's not just pure, happening as you work. Exactly. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. just you're you're hydrating the database by not changing anything in your workflow. Yeah. Those are the those are the things to deal with now. As far as when you get further, yeah, like you know, we integrate you know different project management tools and stuff. So when a new project starts, you could automatically create that in in CatDV and even in the file system. There's so you about something like Shotgun and and pulling off that or uh, well, I, I wouldn't even say Shotgun because Shotgun's great, but 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 I'm talking about like Rike and Jira. Right. Like we built a system right, right, right. for a college where their coursework is created. Their courses are created by a Jira ticket system. And when a Jira ticket comes in for a new course, it automatically puts it in the dam and everything associated with that course. The, the users just drag it into CatDV there. You know, it's really it's really manual, but they don't have to tag anything because it's already part of that project. Right. So no sure. one's typing. They're just putting the media where they would normally put it or you just build, you know, put it in a watch folder. Now, so that's things- that's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. something like that, do you guys, is that a custom thing for every client? Like, oh, you guys use Jira, so let's build something around Jira that's going to pull? Or do you guys, or is that kind of in CatDV and it's sort of an well, off-the-shelf certain, part of the certain, tool? Well, certain things are in CatDV, and just like everything else, we, we you know, we, we start small and go big, right? Right now, in CatDV, you can create catalog metadata. So you could, if you wanted to, you know, you could say, hey, Frank, instead of sending me that spreadsheet, when you do it, could you go into CatDV and make a new catalog, right? So Frank makes a new catalog, puts the metadata on it. Anything that goes into that catalog is 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 inherited by those assets. That's built into CatDV. So sometimes it's just getting, you know, Frank to do that, right? Um, then the step above that would be that you can import a spreadsheet and, and like, you know, an assistant could do that, right? Hey, give me yeah. the monthly project spreadsheet and take five minutes and import it. So that's, you know, again, that's built in with a little bit of instruction. Then you get more, more, you know, more, you know, custom, right? You export in a specific format or in the final level, yeah, like in the Jira integration or Rike or something like that, you would actually connect that via API with like a connector. So then you get into, you know, more money. But if you notice the money scales with the amount of people you're servicing, right? And the complexity of the situation. So I think the thing I love is that, I hate it when you talk to a MAM guy and everything they're talking about is a hundred grand, right? You go to NAB and you're in a booth 
and there's no product and you're like, yeah, and you talk for 20 minutes and then the guy, you go, and the guy goes, yeah, we start about a half million and then we go up. One, two of these solutions I just told you about exist in the cheapest version of Cat TV, right? It's crazy. You know, you're like, oh, that that in, in the in the bottom version of this product, you could do that. Um, and while that's not what keeps the lights on at North Shore, the fact is, is that some of our biggest customers started as our smallest, right? Yeah, we have a right. customer. We have a we have a, a we did a, a a seven figure project here in Los Angeles, and the customer started with five seats and a bunch of Final Cut Pro rigs, you know what I mean? And just, just messing around with it. I've taken people from, from standalone to, you know, to having dozens of users in multiple locations. And, and I love the fact that you could grow with it. Uh, again, I, I, you know, I was, I was a, I was a workflow dude working in television in Los Angeles. I didn't have access to the million dollar budget. So I had to figure it out. And, and that's why I say, you know, so much of this comes down to what you want to do in the start. And then you grow into the bespoke system. But yeah. Yeah. There's awesome. a, there's, there's also, uh, and, and Bryson's, Bryson's really good at this. There's also, <laughs> when, you, when you're able to speak to the entire organization, when you're able to talk about, you know, everything starting from a guy who creates a, a folder on a SAN to, you know, all these folks who are entering data in other systems. First off, those folks who are entering data in other systems, they're feeding the man and they're going to receive yep. the benefit out of the man with that, whether they know it or not, right? But one of the things that that is staggering to me is in these large organizations where a lot of the workflow and proce processes are defined, and we're able to wrap a man into those workflows and pro processes, there is always one hideously archaic, mind-blowingly <laughs> painful aspect of the workflow you know there is there is just yeah. there's just one thing i mean it is like it's like you find that one person who's like yeah uh we're going along and everything's you know cruising at 80 miles per hour on the autobahn and then you know we hit this stopgap where it's like and then we got to reach into this old lotus notes system <laughs> and pull out yeah. you know yeah. what i mean true. Yeah. it's a true find. use case yeah. yeah, and then that's where we really—that's where we hockey stick the ROI, right? It's like, <laughs> how would you like to not do that anymore? <laughs> how would you like to never touch that again? Yeah, 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 yeah. We—we yeah. yeah, yeah. we actually like a month, two months ago, we replaced a FileMaker Pro system for a customer, and they were using FileMaker to do this thing that you could easily do in CatDV, right? So they had gone out and looked at this whole big thing. And we basically got rid of a whole, like there was a whole job their IT guy had, right? Keeping that, you know, server going and, and messing with them. And it was ancient. And we just put all the data in CatDV and they needed to do like one thing. So we wrote like a really small little, you know, web applet and uh, and they got rid of a whole system. Their IT guy was thrilled. You know, they, their, their whole business got simpler and the users were like, great, I don't have to go to this one application to do one thing. And, and, you know, and, and that's a great case where, like you said, Jeremy says, you may not be able to justify this thing until you find that weird, that dirt road that connects the Autobahns together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I know we're we're running a little long, uh, which is good because it's actually been really it's bizarre how interesting uh, asset management can be. I do want to touch on the metadata a little bit more. I, I should clarify it for those who are uninitiated by metadata, we, we simply mean any data that describes the data, right? So any yeah. some, anything that, that gives a bit more information about what's in this MOV file or whatever it is. 
obviously we've talked a little bit about machine learning and AI, and that's the top thing on a lot of people's minds with this. Right. It's like, hey, you know, we don't have to manually enter it anymore. We got computers that can see faces and see if it's a close-up or a wide, a two-shot. We can see if there's a lamppost in it. Obviously, there's some amazing stuff going on. What are you guys finding out is the kind of break-even point? Like some of that stuff, is it just adding more useless trivia to the databases? And at what point is it like semantically useful for people trying to pull assets out? Well, when you look at the when you look at some of the metadata, and I'll let Bryson jump in after this, but you know when you look at the the metadata, there's there's various bits of metadata and categoric categorically there's there's different things, right? So one of the things is obviously you know camera the, when you're talking about a video file, you know you know what is the camera frame rate bit rate, you know maybe some GPS information. That's really some binary stuff. And then the next level, which is what people miss and which is the hardest part for people to get their heads wrapped around, is what is the metadata that's specific to us, specific to Damien and his show, in his shoot, in his yep. project, right? That's the metadata that we like to capture. And then we move into AI. Then we move into machine learning. So now what data, now that we've got all this good juicy stuff in our system that's specific to us, what additional stuff can we reach out to AI and, and machine learning on to help augment that and really bring, um, you know, really bring additional usefulness to the man? Yeah. Uh, and I can let no, you jump yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny. This topic's very timely. We just finished a proof of concept, a consulting engagement for a customer where we evaluated uh, seven of the major speech-to-text solutions head-to-head. And then um, I'm actually speaking on Friday on another one of these things, which is basically dispelling AI myths. Um, the most thing is, you, you hit it, Damien, it's, it's, it's filtering the data to what you need. So you could absolutely get a bunch of useless data. I'll tell you a funny story. I had a guy that was demoing AI for a customer. And I said, whatever you do, don't just show a bunch of footage. And um, they're a sports team. And they play baseball. And I said, please don't show a bunch of footage of them, you know, playing baseball. Use, for instance, I'll give you an example. You guys how know at the at the beginning of the season, they do a photo shoot for every professional sports team and every college team, actually, and they shoot everyone's picture. I was like, show them that they could identify all those people, facial recognition, right? And not have to tag, you know, hundreds of photos, right, manually. That's a use case that really works really well. And instead, this guy rolled in and they gave him a bunch of footage and he dropped it in. And the AI said, that's a man playing baseball in a stadium. And they're like, <laughs> they're like that's great. Thank you for telling me that I have photos of a you know, video of a man playing baseball. So so the use case that I would lay out right now, uh, we're almost there on speech to text. If you can edit uh, speech to text, which is another problem people do in MAMS is they make it so you can't edit the the transcript when it comes back. But if you can clean it up a little bit, you can finally afford to transcribe everything. And that's a big shift. You're talking about $15 an hour instead of 150, you know, in the old days. That's huge. So that's a big deal. And right now Working you can go Working in docs, online. oh goodness. Oh, dude. And right now you can go online and, and you don't integrate it with your man, but you can go online and upload your videos onto different services and you can do that. I'll, I'll tell you that because my wife does that all the time. Uh, you know, so if you have interviews, eight hours of interviews for less than a hundred bucks or around a hundred bucks, you can, you could get all that transcribed and then do a paper cut. So I just want to lay that out as a tip for everybody out here. There's some great services out there. 
But if you are in a uh, large production, we're doing a, a research foundation right now, and they've got 10,000 hours of interviews, and they can now afford to do that. And they're going through that because that's high value. Uh, facial recognition is really good. So if you work around celebrities, or more importantly, again, think about the value. Do I want to run all my B-roll through facial recognition? No, because I don't care who those people are. But do I need to find the CEO in a bunch of old footage from the 70s, 80s, and 90s? Yeah, this is the founder of our company, right? And so that's a use case where you might pay to do facial recognition, right? Um, it's it's all right now, it's all kind of still a dream, but there are some use cases that are very, very valid. Um, you know, in B-roll, you could do quick tagging and just, you know, hey, what's the subject? And like Azure will tell you, you know, this is, I, I have a great example on our website. It's like, this is a photo of people on a beach with a mountain in the background. That's a caption you could use in B-roll or stock footage. Now that's not gonna help you if you're doing a television production. So you have to tailor it to your use case, and that's a lot of what we consult on. So we come in and go, we, you know, we joke saving people from themselves, right? Like, don't go spend, you know, even a thousand dollars on AI services if it doesn't make sense. But if you could say ninety-five percent accuracy, transcribe an interview, that might be useful to you. And right. so those are the cases right now. But we're getting but, there. And but there I remind is, you, it's there. better whenever it's better the longer we go. It is. It is. You know, there are some sticky points, right? I mean, you know, going back to the baseball thing, well, could we just, could we run all the interviews through it? Yeah, you're going to find a couple of things. So <laughs> baseball teams are largely made up of, you know, English speaking Americans and then, you know, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Japanese. And all of those languages are what you're going to find in a locker room in a dugout. But right now, the engines are like, You've got to tell me, not only it's English, but it's American English, British yeah, English. British English. You know, yeah. or whatever. New and, Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand. So Damn then. Well, gotta, no one can understand the New Zealanders. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the AI is going to have a problem. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Got to watch right. Taika with TD movies with subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> but let's be, let's be realistic here. I, I mean, conversations that I have every day have different English dialects in them. And we're just running a company here, right? I'm, I'm speaking to, to British folks, Australians, you know, uh, hillbilly Americans, hillbilly American from secret Canadians, from secret Canadians, the worst. Yeah. So, so the engines right now, you know, they're, they're only going to get better, yeah. but you know, when when they can recognize this question was asked in English and the response is coming back in Japanese, that's when that's when, you know, that opens up a new uh, world of opportunity. So, you know, we're there, we're there and we're getting we're getting there and we're there. There's lots of great stuff, but you know, people are always looking for like the magic wand and there is not that you know it's that it's a csi effect right where people see yeah. how something's happening on tv and they just assume that's accessible today although i have to say in in honesty at this point you know we used to sit and watch especially you know if you're in the graphics world or even the video world and you watch them go can you zoom in on that license plate Chance. We used to we used to sit there going that could never happen and now now you sit there go actually that could happen yeah. you no, know and, so and that's no, that's a great piece. I just tell everybody listening to this in the future, test, yeah. because literally every three months, it all gets better. 
right? Yeah. Well, and you it, and you may have that magic use case that's really well supported. Bryson, to your point, I think what we're going to find is these AIs are going to get better at the heuristics of of context, right? So they're going to automatically go, okay, well, I know this guy's the CEO of the company, so I'm going to tag all of his video footage because it's going to be more important. And there was a lot more a lot more references to this particular footage from this yep. particular day, so that must be important and those kinds of things. And and that's just a matter of time. But at the end of the day, it's it's only as smart as people like you, like you say, going in and figuring out what is relevant and what is important and what's worth incorporating into the whole asset management pipeline, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where the that's where the ROI gets weird. Like we we just recently did an educational foundation and they have a gigantic budget. So they were able to actually spend money to really tune things, right? And so you see companies like Gray Meta and people like that. What they're really doing, you know, Veritone does this, is they're they may run something through multiple engines, right? And then average the results. So North Shore does a little bit of that. You could buy a custom app that says, like, for instance, uh, Azure will give you the tone. Like, it'll, it'll guess the subject, like you were just talking about. It'll guess the subject. And that may not be available in the stock plugin from Squarebox or something, but North Shore could take that tone and apply that, you know? And so we, so we do a lot of that where, again, it's a case where your mom and pops might not do it, but if you work for a large organization, uh, you know, you, you might get that built. Again, I think that something that we and, and this may be a good place to kind of I know we're trying to get to a wrapper running over. But here's the thing. If you just have a file system, you don't have anywhere to store that metadata that you're talking about. Right. And then you have no way to actually use or, or, or analyze that metadata. You just have folders in, in a hard drive. And once you have a MAM as the place to store the data and the metadata and associate that, then all of a sudden, all these things open up. And that's why we keep talking about DAM 2.0, because our most successful customers are the customers who implemented this thing. And then one day their boss walks in and says, hey, can you do X? And they go, you know what, I can. And they can call someone like us and go, hey, I have a million assets. And my boss wants me to take all the interviews from this one person and run them through AI. Well, you can't start from just a hard drive full of video, but if you start from an organized MAM and you've done that hard work over the years that Jeremy talks about, or you've automated that process, even if you're just sitting on it, a day will come when someone walks in and asks you a question and the answer used to be no, and all of a sudden the answer is yes, right? You know, yes, maybe. And and that's what we're really getting to is that because if you haven't prepared for that day, when AI does get really good, literally in like a six months or a year, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna hit it on speech to text. And and when you do, if you don't have a MAM already, well, you can't really make great use of that because again, you've got a bunch of videos and then I have a bunch of Word docs and they're not associated in any intelligent way. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll 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 use a, one of my famous analogies here. Bryson and I are pretty good. <laughs> if I have an off day, dueling analogies. Yeah, yeah, du dueling analogies. You know, I'm a, I'm a homeowner. One of the other cat TV guys just purchased an old farm from the 1700s in Massachusetts. Um, when you look at, you know, a home project and you're coming in with either something that's outdated or there's a lot to change, it is extremely difficult and damn near impossible to go into a complete rehab of a home and do all of the things, right? Unless you're you know, a gigantic team of people 
that are going to come in and, and just completely tear things apart. But for your average home buyer who, who invests in a home and then wants to completely change every room and aspect around that home, you can't come in and completely rip and replace and then live in the house at the same time, right? So if you're content creation team, you can't rip and replace and edit and deliver shows and meet new deadlines and grow your organizations uh, while implementing a complete overhaul of your process. It won't work, it'll fall apart. So you start to look around and you go, what's the most important part about this renovation? Well, let's start from the foundation and move up from there. What do I wanna support uh, when I'm all done with this, well, you know, what kind of foundation do I really need to to build? Uh, and a lot of people have that in their file folder structure. You know, your your foundation is actually solid, no leaking, no mess, uh, dry basement. Now let's start to build around room by room and design the flow of this this house. And by the end of it, it'll be done in phases. It'll be done intelligently. It'll be done within budget. And uh, you're going to make your significant other very, very happy uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> right? So, so that's kind of my analogy, but you know, bringing it back to something we can all wrap our heads around. You can't, so, you can't just change everything. Uh, yeah. So let's maybe finish with this. If I'm curious, like I, I, I think Bryson mentioned just the corporate side of things, and that's quite a common situation, a company like maybe Toshiba or Sony corporate, and you're in the media division there and you actually supply media to maybe the uh, photocopy division, the laptop division, you know, a bunch of different places. And you've been for years kind of diligently managing your folder structures and things like that. And that served you with a bit of spotlight searching, something like that. What do you do? How do you make that leap from that kind of system to actually a, a fully blown MAM? Oh, what's the next step? Like, do does someone call you guys in, uh, and then what does it look like? Yeah, Jeremy, let me let me take that for a sec because I I think there's two cases. The small customer, uh, you know, normally is working with a reseller, like a local reseller or somebody, and you could call your local, you know, where you call the person you get your gear from, right, and just say, hey, do you do this? And they could probably start you. You should also do some online research. In a larger organization, you're in the situation Jeremy's talking about. So yeah, we recommend that you reach out to you, probably your reseller as well, but you need to engage and and look at a few systems, meet a few teams. Because what you want to start with is, and we joke about this, uh, North Shore takes a long time to get somebody a quote, and people get super mad at us. But but we win a lot of the jobs with, that we go for because we take that extra time, because everyone is specific. And so when you're doing this in, let's, you know, Toshiba's a great example. Uh, the other company may or may not be our client, so we won't use that. But, <laughs> but Toshiba's a great theoretical example. Um, you're going to deal with IT. Uh, you're thinking about yourself, but you might need to deal with marketing, you know, so you may need not just a system, but you might need a consult, right? You might need actual deployment advice or, or help. You might need to talk to, you know, uh, what we joke is you might need a bodyguard for it. We, we're, we're half of us are it people at North shore. And the reason that we did this is that we learned about video and we, and we come together as a team so we can translate from video to it and it to video. So you may right. need that in a large organization. And then Jeremy comes in and this is where he's 
really great is that Jeremy's probably going to come in and not just, you know, sell you stuff, but Jeremy's going to talk to you about how to actually run your budget and how to go get the money because this is a multi-year project probably. And that's another thing that we really help people with in large institutions is saying, like he's saying, hey, man, here's what we're going to do for 2020. You know, here's the plan for 2021 and 2022. I can't stress that enough that it's not just a technical problem. And so that's why he and I are partner like we do. I, I appreciate him so much because a lot of people just think that, you know, oh, well, sales guys just there to you know hustle me and be annoying. And it's like, no, a good salesperson will actually know how to get you what you want from your organization. And so, so that's part well, of it there. I, I think it's important, too, that you have someone who's knowledgeable and multiple areas that's going to assist you building these things. I remember when I worked at uh, ABC, there was so I was in production management and there was so much overlap between Disney and ESPN. And, and uh, we weren't just, you know, maybe we needed assets that were video. Maybe you needed. I remember they had me make a crossword puzzle. So they needed to get me pictures from Castle. There's just all this weird stuff that ends up getting, you know, faxed to you almost at that point. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, maybe, maybe you do have one four terabyte drive full of PDFs, but then maybe you also have a massive, you know, 130 terabyte, whatever, NAS that's got the footage and being able to mix them all together intelligently sounds uh, useful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and, that's and it. And actually, can yeah, I, so- I, I want to address one thing that I've struggled with over the years is that, as Jeremy said, you know, I was a the guy, they call me the high def cowboy, right? And I was the guy that knew CatDV for a lot of years. And the truth is, is that as you get to more complex problems and and organizations, you can't be a guy anymore, right? Or or a girl. You can't be the CatDV person. You really need a team. And that's something that I, I had to, you know, we jokingly internally at North Shore talk about killing the cowboy because I was a high def cowboy and we had to kill this idea that I was some magic unicorn who knew everything. Now I have a team of people who know way more than me. And, and I bridge certain gaps, as you guys can probably tell. I think a lot about the way people think. Right. And I focus on that. Um, But I have sysadmins who are way better than me. I have developers that do things that I I can't dream of. Uh, Now, my cat TV technicians and deployment people far outclass me on cat TV. I'm just a guy that knows how to talk a lot, you know, and and build a team. But I want to call that out that like you can start. And Jeremy mentioned it. You can start this yourself. You can start this with one person or a small team. But at some point, you need to make sure that you actually, like you were talking about, you need someone who can understand those overlaps, right? And you make sure that you're not buying the same stuff or you understand the difference in stuff. And um, so I think that's a big thing, too. I want to just say that, like, to shout out to all the teams that do deploy these software out there, there is a reason that they do that in a, in a team methodology. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to thank you guys, especially in this industry. There seem to be two kinds of people, the ones that are really kind of brash and aggressive uh, in terms of their product. I always love it when I meet people who are actually far more interested in people getting the job done and getting what they need, whether it's you're the ones to provide that or someone else or something else. And so it's always great to come across people that are of that second camp. But I do want to give you guys an opportunity. If someone wants to reach out, if they think, hey, Nostra Automation is the place for me. It sounds perfect. Bryson, uh, where would they reach you or how would they reach your company? Yes. Well, so we're somewhat integrated for a U.S. distribution. You can reach out to NostraAutomation.com. You know, there's a link there to contact us. But actually, uh, reaching out to Squarebox as well will get you to us. Uh, we, Like I said, like Jeremy said, we do the large deployments and stuff. But So you can engage with either of us, and it's the same. So for, for us, you know, uh, you start with sales at NostraAutomation.com. It's the longest URL in the world. Or just 
go to our website. There's a bunch of stuff up there. And then Jeremy, you, uh, what, how do they, yeah, how do yeah. they so, engage with Squarebox? Sales at Squarebox.com. Uh, you know, that'll, that'll land you in this team, right? So again, like Bryson said, we've got a team of folks, uh, but yeah. that'll land you with, you know, a handful of people here in the United States, most likely myself getting eyeballs on it. And, uh, and then we engage the North shore team, uh, you know, nine out of 10 times. Right. Uh, and, and also mentioned, you know, our channel that, you know, that, that you very likely can get all this stuff from your local reseller. That's another yeah. thing that's important yeah. to know. And you don't have to make a new relationship for business. You can purchase both of our company's services and software through your, probably who you buy from now. And yeah. so reach out anybody, to the person who sells who, your hard drives or whatever. Yeah. Anybody who sold you a NAS or a SAN or your hard drives or your archive system or your edit stations you know those are the folks that are typically working with us uh on this side of the fence oh you mean like film tools yeah I, uh, like like our sponsor film tools absolutely oh, no yeah 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 I've heard that's a great place to buy film gear filmtools.com isn't that the place oh they have a store you can go in well not right now you can go <laughs> there you can actually you can go in and, and they, they have, have appointments you can go oh in that's and have true a, they do. yeah yeah, yeah. So if, if you need to go to LA, let me just say this, even if you're just traveling to LA, this makes me laugh because obviously there's a, there's a whole film tools is a giant organization, but the original film tools where you would go by like tape and gloves, you could geek it out there, geek out there so hard because they'd have like 50 kinds of masking tape, you know, oh, <laughs> so, it is, it is bizarre. Still enormous. It, yeah. That, that tape wall. bigger than the last time you were there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I now yeah now you make me want to go back but I want to say that if you just geek out on production in general it's one of those things like going to mole back in the day you know it's just yeah. it's just so cool as a as a production geek you know yeah, I'm a software guy and so so for me I do appreciate that you know that whole thing you know and and I just want to say thank you for recognizing the fact that we really do love this it's really funny in Jeremy's therapy session I talk so much because I'm genuinely excited by this. I love this so much. No, I love I, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I've worked at various organizations <laughs> over the course of 20 or so years, uh, you know, mentioned storage. And one of the, one of the uh, film tools partners is uh, Studio Network Solutions. They have a solution called Evo, which is a shared storage for editorial. And I, and I got started there in this industry. And the other day, Bryson and I, got on the phone with someone interested in, um, you know, taking, taking their cat DB to the next level, right. Moving to a phase two. Um, and, uh, and this was the first time I had spoken to the guy or so I thought turns out this gentleman purchased a shared storage for, solution from me nine years ago. And <laughs> it, was, it was, and it is still his primary storage. So first off I had to tell him, no computer was meant to be running for nine years. So probably, <laughs> probably, I mean, as a primary, drives not a, a you know, yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, but it, it was, it made me really proud as a salesperson to have, you know, beaten down all the competition, sold this thing nine years ago and, it was the right solution for this guy and he was still loving every minute of it. It made me feel very proud because that is the goal when you're selling, right? Um, yeah. Granted, he needs to get off the thing and onto some new hardware, but, <laughs> but um, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, yeah, I'm, uh, here I am nine years later, you know, wow. still talking to this guy about workflows and, and um, unlocking the, uh, the the uh, the usability and the the uh, availability of all his media. 
Well, you know what, and the data is only going to get bigger and more, and uh, this problem is not going away, and we need to figure a way to tame this stuff. So thank you, Bryson. Thank you, Jeremy, for uh, chiming in, and Kenny. Uh, this has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate you guys virtually stepping out to engage with this. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You got it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye, guys. Be well. All right. All right.